Welcome to the Old Chats Pod with me, Amesha here. And me, James Factor. This podcast will tackle the taboo topic of mental health in a raw, honest and jovial way. With two good mates who've met in London talking about their own mental health hiccups with some help from some special guests along the way. Welcome to episode 12. This is the Book of Man chat. Here we speak to Mark Sanford, co-founder of the Book of Man, a digital magazine focusing on men's mental health. We discuss why he created the platform and the reaction it received, Mark's own personal experiences with mental health, and why the media industry is best placed to lead the way on combating stigmas in the workplace. Hey, mate. Are you good? Yeah, good, mate, yeah. Yeah, not too bad. Hey, Ben. You all right? Yeah, not too bad. How's your task going? Last few days in November. I can't even see it, can you? Yeah, you can. You can see the shadows. Little shadow. I don't know what to do with it now. Yours is looking good. Just leave it. Yeah, I'm a bit more bit more Freddie Mercury on Narcos. That's what I'm going <laughs> It is, yeah. Yeah, how's the challenges going? Yeah, all right, to be fair, mate. Yeah, I'm a bit sore, but I mean, just getting it, just getting it done. I'm quite often doing it in the evening before bed. Get into a bit of a struggle and don't sleep. Really? Go into a real hole of watching. What I do yesterday, I watched the Jumba Soccer Home, Soccer Home Dance Offs. I watched a lot of them the other night. <laughs> Did you? Great. Have they got soccer? Have they got all of those? I used to love those. Yeah, the last dance off was 2015, though. So I think, was it? I think they stopped doing it a while ago. I remember watching with uh, Tubes and. Tubes, Rocket, all of that, yeah. Rocket as well he used to win it all the time, didn't he? Yeah, he's won like four or five times, yeah. That's a joke, really. Feeling any better? Um, I'm not bad. I'm not great, to be honest. I'm not, November's generally not great for me. I don't know why. It's always uh, sort of the, out in the year, it's always the worst month, really, for me. What, just in life in general? I've noticed the pattern of the last, yeah, sort of four or five years when I've, I started noticing I go in a bit of a dip around this time and then start to come out of it in January, Feb. Does it not, does it not um, pick up on the lead up to Christmas or anything? A, li- a little bit, but not a lot. It's still, uh, I, I still find Christmas sometimes quite a tough time. In what sense? Why? I don't know. Just, I think something probably, I don't know, it's the weather or something when it's it's been a long time since, you know, getting outside in the sun and, and doing stuff. So I think that that's a big part of it. But then I can just find it tough to be around sort of family for for that long and just in that kind of, you know, be happy spirit. It's sometimes worse if you're told to be happy and get on with it. It's kind of the opposite effect. So but yeah, it's it's, it's been better recently, but it used to kick used to get quite bad. It's just under a month now to Christmas. So do you not are you not excited on that? Then that's also something that's getting me by is I I know you live at home, but I've only seen my family for like ten days this year. But I think just yeah, just going home for Christmas will be good. But yeah, I think and even like seeing your mates, hopefully there's those few days of freedom, as Boris says, that you can see your mates around Christmas. Yeah. Those five days are gonna be they're gonna be big, I guess. Are you going back? Yeah, I'm not sure when, but yeah. I'll go home for Christmas and then probably come back for New Year, New Year's Eve. It's weird you say that because yeah. quite often people probably have a dip in January rather than now. Most people have. I think they do, yeah. They feel after Christmas, they're down. But I feel a bit of a perk in January. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mind January. 
I think it will be good when people have that structure again. Because I feel as if January, Jan, I think January this year is going to be a bit weird in the sense of people might be doing dry January normally. But I yeah. feel as if, then it depends if we're in lockdown or whatever. It's weird, isn't it? I've been hearing all this five days per for every one day that you get out from the from lockdown. So that's basically 25 days of, that's what the scientists say you need to do to curb a day's effect. Right. So that's bas- that's basically all of January gone. So they'll probably I don't know. I wouldn't be too disappointed about. I'd kind of be prepared for it if that happens. Yeah. For Jan. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I feel as if most people are, but at least coming this week, there'll be a bit more freedom, being able to go to the gym and things. Yeah, I'm really looking for. Um, I'm glad that was announced as well because I thought they might just can that for the rest of the year. But... Hey, Mark, you're on mate. Hello, how are you all? All right? Hey, good, thanks. How are you? Oh, good, Mark. Hey, you got a big old Christmas, that Christmas tree? No? What are you behind you? What? Where? Oh, no, I thought it was a Christmas tree behind you. No, mate. Oh, it's a wallpaper. Oh. Wallpaper. <laughs> Glamorous wallpaper. No, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. This is, my, this is my sort of daily position. Everyone gets to comment on my wallpaper and my crappy laundry behind me that's covered with a rug. That's good cover up, to be fair. Me and James are actually on summit here, so we've actually got a special guest who's not a friend or a family. But I'd just like to introduce Mark Sanford, so co-founder of The Book of Man. Uh, and I know it's a platform I've talked about at work and previously to my mates. It's really helped me with a lot of good content they have on there regarding mental health. Um, but yeah, cheers, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for having me. So probably the first question is to everyone who doesn't know is what what is The Book of Man? Um, so what is the book of man? It's, that's a, it's a good question, actually. Um, it's a Bible for men. It's not, well, it is, it is, but it effectively it's a, it's a, a magazine for men that addresses some of the things that aren't, uh, aren't better left unsaid really. So we, we started with this sort of vision of what it would be. Um, and when we launched, we were looking at sort of three key things, which was, you know, this word toxic masculinity, which was being used to sort of to just to sort of categorize men and, and masculinity around the world. We had the Me Too movement kicking off um, as well. So lots of things going around that a lot of men feeling slightly sort of insecure and unsure about their own sort of selves and behavior. And then, of course, you know, issues around male suicide and, and some of the things that were going on there. So, you know, we're probably all familiar with with the sort of 84 men a week taking their own lives um, and we started to really think about men's media and and what was missing and what what we felt was important having sort of spent time in the media ourselves and and so really the book of man effectively is a, a magazine that covers all the things that a lot of magazines don't cover so we we cover things like you know men's emotions we talk about language that we should be using around empathy and vulnerability we work with a number of contributors such as professor green and jason fox as well and um, yeah, really, our mission is to get men to open up. You know, that's the key thing. The biggest challenge that men have got right now is is silence and, and inability for them to open up. And and we're there really to give them inspiration, um, advice, and support to do that. How long ago uh, did this was this happening? Then, Mark, did you when did you set this up? And, and what's the reaction been from the time? Yeah, we launched in two thousand and eighteen, which was a really, I mean, it was an interesting year. In terms of the timing, it, it kind of happened. Well, we had Trump being kind of pretty derogatory about everyone at the time, and you know, particularly you know about women, and and kind of everyone starting to sort of talk about you know this toxic behaviour that he, he's in, he's sort of demonstrating. And then, as I said before, we had you know the Me Too movement and Harvey Weinstein kind of coming 
through as, as this, this terrible man. And I think everyone was kind of suddenly bashing men around the head. And, you know, our position was, look, not all men are like this, you know, let's call out bad men and, and, and do that. But a lot of men are going through a lot of, a lot of bad shit at the moment. And the reaction was great. You know, we, we launched at a time when I think there was so much negativity about men to come at it as a position that wasn't just about, you know, this idea of success being about fast cars and watches and, you know, loads of money in the bank. It was about actually what, will make me happy you know how can I make my relationships better how can I better myself how can I look after myself more how can I start thinking about my own mental health rather than you know not even acknowledging that I have mental health and I think that was um that was a really good response I mean from a from an industry point of view from a media industry point of view it was absolutely phenomenal we had a lot of PR support and you know lots of write-ups in, in various trade magazines but then from a consumer point of view as well you know some of the things that that came through and, and people reaching out to me specifically yeah. um ex-colleagues and friends who were just um this is what i've been looking for and, and this is what we've been trying to sort of you know find a, a a home for all this content and and trying to normalize a lot of the conversations that people were starting to have but not really having properly and i think you know it, a lot of the the thought process behind it came from both of us uh um, when we when we launched it and you know my personal experiences as well um, things I've gone through questions around you know my own I suppose my own masculinity if you like and my own depiction of what that is and how I portrayed myself but yeah so that's basically what the reaction was from that side of things. So would you say Mark the like the actions of Trump and Weinstein accelerated the process or that was the catalyst or was it was it your own experiences uh, from is it yourself and Martin? Yeah, so I mean, just I suppose rewinding a little bit, I was, as I say, I was, I've been in media for about 20 years and and I'm sure, you know, from your own sort of career, but like, I think it was probably about six or seven years ago, I started to think a lot about how I'd had to sort of portray myself to be a man in media and all the things that kind of expected of you, particularly as a male leader. And, you know, you put on a lot of pressure on yourself. A, you've got targets to hit. You've got, you know, a certain perception to give off all the time. And I, I realised about, to say, six years ago, that probably for about 15 years, I'd just been wearing a mask of, of like, you know, what I was expected to be and who I was supposed to be. And I, I was, I, I got very depressed after I went, I transitioned from managing a team of about sort of 15 people to then suddenly 35 people with no kind of coaching or anything like that. And, and that just added to this pressure of suddenly I've got this huge responsibility. I'm not sure if I'm the right person for this job now. I'm doubting myself a lot. You know, the whole thing around imposter syndrome, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of people, you know, think that it's an issue that women face, but actually it's an issue that men face as much as, as much as women as well. And, and that idea of feeling like you're not good enough and, you know, you're not doing a good job, even though you're giving 150 million percent. And so I had a bit of a, I had a, burnout basically and I left the industry for a for a bit and um did a bit of soul searching and sort of got my feet back in it a little bit more and then that was again probably part of the the early conversations Martin and I were having he'd had a similar experience actually um where he'd been he also kind of had issues and, and got made redundant and ended up sort of being at home and not really having a any any information about how you should feel you know what I mean it was like you know how as a man how am I supposed to feel how can I express my emotions how can I talk about these things and I think that was a that was a big 
I suppose, a big catalyst towards where we got to. It just happened to coincide with this sudden realisation that we're not alone. And there's a lot of men out there that are, are struggling and going through a lot of stuff. And it's, it's driven by loads and loads of different things, not just one thing. Um, you know, mental health is a, is a such a broad topic and I'm, I'm sure we'll cover a lot of today, but you know, the, the fact that issues and challenges can be caused by, you know, anxieties, they can be caused by the fact you don't think you look good. They can be caused by a chemical imbalance. You know, there's so many things that I think people just don't understand about themselves and, um, and hopefully people are starting to kind of, you know, look into themselves a little bit more and, and, and work themselves out, I suppose. Yeah, I think from the people we've spoken to and kind of, you know, Meshi and I have obviously, you know, looked at articles and researched things around mental health. We've had, I guess, a focus on, you know, younger people, especially recently with our chats, we've looked at sort of social media and how that's affecting people and um, yeah. and what's the, what's the language now in that area. But it's interesting you mentioned sort of, not that the older generation has been neglected, but it's it's still a conversation worth having, and it's not maybe as had as much as that sort of the younger pressures of school and university and jobs. But it's equally as it's equally as yeah. important as you say because that generation maybe didn't have the tools or the the media, you know, focus on the language to express themselves. So, are you are yeah. you really targeting yeah. that that group as well with with Book of Man? It's really interesting you say that, and I think you know when you when you launch something you often have a demographic in mind and you think right this is going to be for a certain group or, or whatever but i think it's a mindset and it is a it, when i say mindset i mean if you're if you're passionate about the subjects you can appeal to anyone i mean there's, there's things that apply to a lot of um different groups but m- broadly the, the topics should appeal to everyone and i think you're right about you know, older generations not having the tools or, or or even because of the conditioning, and I'm talking about men specifically here, but because we're conditioned to be, you know, to man up and, and not to cry and all these things, those are traditional traits of, you know, hyper-masculinity. A lot of men from from older generations just, just haven't ever had that kind of, and it's not exclusive, you know, there are obviously men that, that aren't like that, but largely a lot of men and generation men are just taught not to not to open up about things like that and I think we're starting to see older men suddenly realizing that shit I've been bottling this up for years and my dad actually when we launched and I didn't realize my dad had basically had a lot of trauma as a sort of young man he lost his um, two of his brothers very very young had issues with with various things he moved to like 30 35 different schools I think it was because uh my grandfather traveled the world a lot so he moved out so it's quite a sort of interesting thing but you know coming from a you know his father ex-military kind of dude you know it was very much stiff upper lip kind of stuff and I think for the first time when when we launched it was the first time in my life we had a proper conversation about you know yeah. mental health and how difficult it he has found it to sort of open up about things um, in the past. Um, and we've started to have much more candid conversations now, you know, and it's good for me and it's good for him as well. And I think, you know, hopefully, you know, you're not going to change the mindset of a whole generation, but even if a few people who are, you know, in that risky area and, and the risk, you know, largely if you look at research, you know, the risk for a lot of people, it's particularly in this pandemic is old white men, you know, it's, um, that's not obviously exclusive as well, but if you look at some of the research that, for instance, Mental Health at Work and a couple of other organisations have done, the, the areas, the people that they're most worried about is these sort of older white men, and by that they mean sort of 60 plus. 
in terms of um you know sort of growth within suicide rates and things which is alarming really i mean it's you know we, we talk about young people and, and issues they face but you know there is a a forgotten demographic at the top that's um that's struggling as well so do you did you say so you say mark your dad only spoke to you about these things once you launched the book of man well i think it wasn't necessarily about that but i think I, I talked to him about when we were launching it, I explained to him what it was we were doing and where it came from, because to be honest, I hadn't really talked to my family about issues I've had. And that was a, you know, um, it's quite a, you know, a hypocritical stance, if you like, because for a long time, I really struggled to talk about anything. And that was the biggest challenge I had was a having the support network at work. And, and that's why I don't, I don't blame, you know, where I was at the time because that was, you know, five, six years ago, there wasn't anything. There wasn't, a, you know, a mental health allies scheme or, you know, we weren't certainly weren't doing things like this. And, you know, some of the events I've done recently, they just, you know, didn't exist. So, uh, you know, that wasn't there. But I think also, you know, it, 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 for a lot of people, it's difficult just to talk about it because you just think it's that's that's just the way it is, you know, and that's kind of often the thing. It's like, I don't want to be a burden to anyone. That's just the way it is. So when I eventually wrote it down, that was what kind of, I, I think it was, I wrote it down on a piece of paper, how I was feeling and, and as a sort of intro to why the Book of Man exists. And actually that's what I ended up putting on LinkedIn when we launched. And that's what I got the response from from various people and it wasn't me just trying to go you know oh haven't look at me i've got problems feel sorry for me it wasn't about that it was about say look if i can come out and say this is what went wrong this is why i'm you know i had issues and and i managed to kind of manage them you know they are ongoing things i, I still take medication and i i said i still well have had cbt therapy and i try and uh, and look after myself but i've definitely managed to manage you know i've managed it and uh and I think you have to do something like that to, to give yourself the catalyst to, to talk about it. You know, you can't just say to a guy, what's wrong with you? Because they're not going to tell you. You need to give a solid reason or, or, you know, again, that idea of asking twice. But there has to be a stimulus there to be able to get them to talk if they don't want to. So that's what I do with my dad. <laughs> I'm not, this is, this is actually mad, Mark, because when I first, so I first messaged you on LinkedIn, I just found the book of man, messaged you on LinkedIn, went for a coffee. And I basically said I wanted to write write an article for you. Yeah. And I always had this idea. Like I've always had a dream of like writing a book. And then I wrote this article for you. I put it off for like months to do. Yeah. One Sunday I just did it. I think I proofread it for like ten minutes. Just sent it to you. I was like, just get this out. Like yeah. get it out. Get off my plate. Then you posted it, and then me posting it on Instagram. That was like the first time my dad actually called me, being like, oh, "Are you all right?" Really? Like, that was the same thing. It was like, but I know what you're saying. Like it's a bit hypocritical. He wasn't to know. Like I never yeah. talked about it. My brother's kind of new. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It was just, it was a big release and like way off the shoulders. Yeah. You came into our work to do a talk afterwards. And I, I remember saying, I always remember this, I said to you like, oh, it opened up some wounds. But for me, I think looking back, I was like, it never opened up wounds. I think they were always there and I never dealt with yeah. it. Like I never yeah. dealt with anything I wrote in the article. Yeah. And then yeah. off the back of that, I went to like a counselor. Sent them my article and basically was like, you have like professional help. It's always like the introductions, I think the worst bit. And I just, yeah. I just sent her the article and was like, this is my story. And then we just worked from there. Yeah. This is great. You're doing that. And, and it's like, you said you should be proud yeah. of, but that's one thing I found yeah. really weird is when people say, oh, you should be proud of it. Like proud of like writing or talking about it. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just, I sometimes find yeah. it hard to fathom, but. No, I know. I know. And it is. And, it, and, and that's the thing. It's not, 
it's not necessarily that that process isn't necessarily going to be right for everyone but i think if you you can articulate it and and sometimes writing is is much easier to articulate than saying it out loud it's on paper and you can see it and i you know i'm i'm i I, as you may determine from this i tend to i tend to kind of ramble a bit and but that's just the way i speak you can't help that and and so i think um you know, you, you've got to you've got to be able to really articulate what it is that's going on with you, and sometimes for people to understand that as well. And I, I think when people post things about it, and you know, this is what I'm going through, and you know, if it's coming, you know, if it's a very, you know, it's an authentic thing, it, 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 this person wants doesn't want your pity, doesn't want you to feel sorry for them. I think they just need to get it off their chest so that. There's an understanding that you know I may have been a real shit for the last two years, but please understand yeah. why. You know, and that's we talk about that a lot in when we're talking about you know behaviour and particularly in work. You know, like if you see a change in someone's behaviour, it might not be that they're just a dickhead. It might just be they've got something going on in their head that they can't get out. And ask them what the issue. You know, talk to them and find out and listen to what they're saying to you because you know. You, you can miss so much stuff and then before you know it, you know, something terrible happens. And I think there are so many people probably walking around who are, you know, misconstrued as being, you know, arsy or, you know, arrogant or whatever. And, and maybe they are, maybe that is the way they are, but maybe not. And maybe it is that something going on in their heads that they just can't get out and they, they feel ashamed to do so. And, and, you know, I think that's, that's the thing when you see posts like that and, and people writing about this stuff, it's, it's, it's coming from a place that's obviously good for that person. kind of uh, stuff have you been getting through mark um either recently or just in you know since you've started that's really kind of got your attention within the umbrella of sort of mental health and just opening up and talking yeah. in general because i think the priority i guess for book of man is just getting men to do that in particular so that's sort of a, a tick yeah. and that's happening you know they've just demonstrated it with meshi here that that's happening within yeah. the yeah that umbrella though is there any in particular issue or or area that that you have sort of focused on and thought yeah that's something that we can really change and well, build on yeah i mean yeah no definitely and it's a it's a good question because we get quite you know as i say we get a lot of, of contributions and a lot of people that aren't writers or you know just who just want to share their story and, and there's some amazing stories you know like mesh's story and, and and what he went through which was it was something that we hadn't ever really had on the site, you know, that kind of the, the way it was framed and, and the person experience. And every story is different. There are similar themes, which is which is why everyone should share, because, you know, it shows that people aren't alone in, in what they're going through. It's just everyone's got a different story to tell. And that's why I think there's so much scope for, for that to expand and come out. And I think the answer to your question on, you know, things that have, have jumped out majority at the moment is is what we've just been going through in the last seven months um you know uh isolation and, and loneliness and this idea that you know we are we're in sort of particularly from the first lockdown a lot of people given time to really think and that can be very very good and it can also be very very bad depending on which way you think and and I think a lot of people who are by themselves or, you know, or uh, are questioning their, you know, job security and all this thing, all these things are going on. There's so much uncertainty. You know, we, we talk about, 
you know, a mental health crisis on the horizon. We don't know what that looks like yet because the dust hasn't settled at all and we're still in it. But, um, you know, we've had a lot of stories about how people have been coping um, and a lot of uh, kind of stories about what things that people have been doing as well to cope, which have been really helpful. Um, and I think we'll probably see that as a continuation over the next, you know, probably 12 months, really, as people come out of this and, and you know, whether the, the fallout will be post-Christmas, etc. So I think, you know, the topics are are about how do I how do I live inside my own head when I'm by myself? You know, so how, how do you stop the the bad thoughts from um, from spreading? And um, how do I sort of maintain a sense of normality? I think. How have you found the last seven months, Mark? I know. Is it you and your kids? Had, did you have COVID? Did you have COVID? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. I'm still. I'm still. I'm on the. I'm on the tail end, which is why I look like a ghost. <laughs> um, but I. Um, yeah, no, we, we have had it, but we we had it recently rather than, you know, rather than early COVID. We had sort of COVID, COVID 2.0 and uh, uh, it, it was actually not too bad. I mean, apart from apart from a um, feeling absolutely knackered and looking like shit um, and and just generally not being able to do anything, um, it wasn't as bad as obviously, you know, it has been for a lot of people or some people. And so we were very lucky. Um, but yeah, I think lockdown has been, it's been up and down really in the early days when we had the kids here full time, that was very tough. I mean, we were lucky enough to, you know, living in London, we were lucky enough to have a garden, uh, which made a massive difference. And, you know, we, we all did gardening actually, and we, we managed to kill everything, but still, you know, it was something, um, and that really helped because we did it as a family, you know, and I think you sort of spend the first first couple of weeks being really like, yeah, we're going to do this. And then by week three, everyone's just like, I don't know what to do now. Um, and then slowly everyone gets back to their phones and their screens and it's like, oh, God. So it was it was three weeks good, probably two weeks bad, three weeks good on and off for, for of seven months. And yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I mean, as I say, lucky in the sense that we had outdoor space. And I know a lot of my daughter's friends from school who you know we, we live in Hackney They're, you know a lot of them live on like estates and stuff around here and um you know they're stuck in their flats for seven months you know yeah. too a lot of them too kind of nervous to come outside at all so there's one kid who, who just didn't leave the flat in seven months and that's yeah. like you know you think that and, and I've seen it at the school they're doing a lot more well-being training for the kids because I think that's the thing it's like look we don't know what the impact is on Kids are like, yeah, I'd have to go to school, but that's where they get the social interaction. Really, you know, they don't they don't come to me for their social interaction. They come for me for hopefully my parenting advice, my <laughs> <laughs> cooking. Um, but um, but they go to their friends, and they, you know, no matter how young, old you are, as a kid, you need that around you. And if you don't have that, you have that taken away from you. That can really affect your development and you know your your social skills and all that confidence that you get. So um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. How have you how have you found the parenting? They've been tough. Um, now the parenting has been up and down as well. Yeah. And I think, as I said to you before this, I mean, I've been I I, I I like to think we've been very good actually. And I think what often helps, and this is what's really helped, is having people in the same boat as you. And that's the one thing that has been a saving grace in this is that we're all in it together. And you know, yeah. friends that haven't got kids and friends that have got kids, you know, there's empathy. And they understand. And I think when they, you know, hear the horror stories of, you know, waking up and finding all your children have dyed their hair blue, whatever, <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, whatever. <laughs> There's a certain amount of complacency after a while. You're like, yeah, it's fine. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, largely it's brought us close together, actually. I think, you know, it's been um, a lot, again, back to the sort of openness thing. We talk a lot about it. We, we try to, without sounding sort of like we're, trying, you know, certainly not, certainly not perfection by any stretch, but um, we try and take time to talk to each other and ask how each other's feelings are and yada, yada. And, you know, my, you know, my youngest, who's six, is very, very kind of switched on with the language. Daddy, how's your mental health today? Like, very good, actually. Actually, it's not so good. Yeah, and, and it's an interesting one, because, like, you know, when I grew up, it's, you know, school, I'm sure we all did. It's like, um, I wouldn't even thought about it. You know, where do you get that sort of, that any sort of indication that we've got minds and we should look after them, really? It's sort of like constantly just pack it full of information, yeah. you know, eat healthily, exercise, but, you know, what if you're not feeling good in your head? And And I think teaching kids that is a really important thing to the point they don't you know abuse it um abuse that information you know was that from uh, was that from your example mark do you think or do you think they're picking that up from from the news and their phones and other places that kind of asking your parents about their mental health it's a great yeah sort of endorsement i think i think it's um i don't know really i think because we talk a lot <laughs> talk a lot about mental health in my house because they're often earwig to like any sort of conversations I'm having on the phone and stuff. So I think a, you know, school, school gives them a better idea of that. And I think they do mindfulness, mindfulness lessons now at school. So they do used to be called green time, but now it's called mindfulness. And I think they, you know, they, they try and get them to think about things and, you know, if they're feeling troubled to talk about it, which I think is a really important thing, you know, teaching people to, to be vulnerable and open up is a really important thing. So, yeah, a combination, I think, to be honest with you. I think probably, you know, seeing what they see on the TV and the news. And do you know what? And it also, you know, it's it's like TV shows. I think we've seen the, the topic of mental health creep into the, uh, creep into sort of entertainment more so as well. And, you know, you've got, you know, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything on mental health influences because I think there are good mental health influences and well-being influences and there are people that abuse the term for their own personal gain um but i think you know they're in contact you know they they're having exposure with a lot of these people who are sort of talking about their feelings and their emotions and things like that and as long as that's used in a positive way then i think that's you know that's one of the i suppose the plus things of social media is that at least people are sort of talking about these things a little bit more um but my social media is a double-edged sword so we yeah i've said it's, I guess it's like uh, I say it's like a lot of things on social media. Just thinking out loud now, but it's great. Like the conversation is happening a lot more now, and as you say, there's there is I guess a risk of people manipulating that term mental health to their benefit and advantage. And if it's for people outside of that, potentially who haven't thought about it too much, and they only look into it through sort of tweets and and the news, yeah. they may start to get you know tired by it and that that's a worry that I sort of have about the term and, and yeah. how to keep it kind of you know fresh and, and relevant to yeah, people absolutely. instead of it just being a buzzword because it, it there is a risk that it will just be it'll it just bring out a kind of shrug and a kind of eye roll from mm. you know certain people and I just thought what you yeah. think about keeping it relevant seems important there you know I totally agree with you and I, it's the same with anything isn't it I think it can be taken it can take, be taken by groups who don't necessarily want to do good with it and, and be used for, you know, sell stuff or, you know, or to push a different agenda. And I, I think you have to be very careful with, with its overuse. Um, you know, see it more and more. I mean, 
it's it sort of loses its power i think if you start um you know diluting it with things that don't quite quite click with it i saw on the instagram page on the book of man you saw off world war three with uh, ollie from the sas oh did we all do about the face mask oh yeah all yeah. through the fa- face mask gate oh my yeah, god yeah that the comments on some of those but oh. well this is it right and, and i think this comes down to you know you've got to, you've got to divide people up and face marks is, is probably the uh the, the biggest divisive topic of our, of our time you know do you wear a mask or do you not and it's just i mean it's basically divided the whole world so you're always going to get a little bit of pushback on things like that i think and uh ollie's actually a really nice bloke but um uh yeah it, it was it was kind of interesting to watch that unfold actually because you do start to go actually not everyone shares my thoughts on this and yeah. it you know and that's fine you know don't have to share my thoughts it's just like you know that's that's what our opinion is on certain things and you know other people are very you know violently opposed to that so and i think you're always gonna have it when you're talking about you know men in particular and 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 what men should be you know there, there is no one way to be a man and there shouldn't be one way to be a man that's like you know you can't have a this man box that we talk about, you know, you can't just pick up all those bad things and replace it with a box of all the, you know, it just, people are too complex for that. So you've just got to kind of allow people to have their opinions and views, but you know, there's certain things on like behavior and values that everyone has that you know, they're the sort of things you need to really push. But yeah, you, you just, you're never going to be able to convince everyone that you're always the right way. And that's fine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like mental health, like even just doing this podcast with me and James, like, and the same with you, like we're not professionals, but all we can do is share like tips and hits or like yeah stuff that's helped us. Like, everyone's different. Everyone's got to find their own way to get through yeah. them. But all you can do is help people guide them. Yeah, and that's it. And I think you know, you've, empathy is a word I use a lot, and I think that you've really got to understand that people struggle in different ways. Um, people deal with things in different ways. They cope with things in different ways. Some people become extrovert. And, you know, might appear completely like, you know, all over the shop, whereas other people are completely introvert. And that can be, as I said earlier, that can be misconstrued as just being, you know, standoffish or whatever. But, you know, we just have to understand that, you know, if someone's going through something and they don't want to talk about it, then maybe take a step back and then go in when you're ready to you know, have a chat about it. But, yeah. Where do you see it going in, in the sort of future now, do you think? From this point, we've got to where we are a lot more open and yeah. talk about it more comfortably. Where do you think it's it's heading now? Well, the, the thing that I find is, you know, and, and this isn't just my opinion, it's it's definitely an opinion that's echoed around, you know, a lot of organisations is there's a lot of talk now and you can't deny that. You know, there's so much information that people can access. People aren't ashamed to access information about it. They want to understand things. You know, there's a lot of um, talks and events and, and various things on the topic. But, where's the action and i think it's you know particularly uh, so we talk about from a sort of workplace point of view which is you know a probably where people feel most uncomfortable when they've got an issue you know it's the place where we spend something like 48 percent of our waking hours and obviously you know we're, we're all doing it at home at the moment but even then that support network is there you know it, it, it needs to start at home you need to understand and acknowledge when you've got the issues but i think workplace places and things like that you know need to need to make sure that they're putting things in place rather than just saying oh it's mental health awareness day everyone here's an event we're doing 
Um, here's Mark from the Book of Man. And um, anyway, we'll see him next year. And yeah. I think, you know, it, it's like, whilst that's great, and I'm not, I'm not certainly not um, poo-pooing that, I, I think it's something that companies need to think about it as a always-on thing and um you know like um there's companies like headspace and unmind and, and various things like that 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 kind of exist to facilitate that but you have to as a company really believe that you're doing it for good reason and, and also make sure your staff are using it because there's so many stories of you know these things are in place and you know companies are spending loads of money to make sure that their their staff are looked after but i think there's still an issue with getting people to actually go through with it and go do you know what i am gonna email jill in hr and tell her about you know my issues but um i think the action bit and i don't know i don't know the answer to what that action is i mean there's, there's so many different things but i think we need to see more action and more things physically being done in terms of like my point about schools and making sure that schools have an official policy on mental health um and that they are actively encouraging conversation and for children to not suffer in silence and you know go through all that sort of stuff because that festers and then you have the issues later on in life and and and, and obviously you know government government-led stuff as well you know i mean i just announced uh i think it was a 50 million pound war chest for mental health support um in last week's announcement but you know is that enough you know and what's going to happen when that runs out is it just well you spent it now nothing left um or is that a commitment for the long term when you said you had that moment immediately like the dip, dip like taking a step back i think i've been there or thereabouts like this time last year in the sense of like gets the silly yeah. season gets christmas you have a shit day what do you do you, yeah. you booze you socialize yeah. you've got to put on this brave brave face of bravado but a big thing of me like trying to help out at the seven sounds at workplace is like the fact you see so many people in their yeah. position and i'm i'm of a massive believer that i think media can be the perfect sort of sector to kind of be like the leader in the sense of everyone's sociable, there's that sociable yeah. side, like boozing, and everyone's accommodating to anything. Yeah. Like it's such, I think it's such a diverse community. Yeah, it can be more diverse. Don't get me wrong, but I think mental health is such a great thing that media can tackle head on. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, a a you've got the tools to be. I mean, communication business, right? So you've got the tools to be able to to reach out to people and and to to show them really positive things and 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 keep people motivated there's that but like you say it's a really diverse industry it's probably one of the most progressive industries in terms of you know certainly the, the things that are being done at the moment around you know gender relations in in the workplace you know that's that's been driven by a lot of what's been going on in, in advertising media and, and i think you know it's it also has so many different i mean it needs to do better in certain areas but like you said i think yeah it's it's one of those places where if you respect it and treat it in the right way, it's a really good industry to be in. Um, but like you said, it has its pressures. You know, it's a service-based industry. You're, you're constantly having to service clients who might be very difficult and might add to that pressure and might add to that stress. Yeah, I think it's increased internal communication should be there as well, like they're checking in internally. Because I think that's, yeah. and like from my experience, like when I, it's yeah. quite, it can be quite a young place to work and people get thrown in the deep end sometimes. So it's a bit yeah. like oh, having that support system for people's mental health as well. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I suppose the bit about, you know, the bit I was going to sort of talk say as well is, is the boozing bit, right? And, and, and <laughs> I don't know if any industry can booze like the media industry can, but, um, but, you know, I think those, those days are sort of, you know, are, people are much more conscious of 
of you know of overdoing it or of, of resorting to that but you know so it was a pressure don't we're a way to deal with the pressure you know there was no doubt that you know i was when i was going through my low ebb you know going to the pub at lunchtime and sort of having four or five pints because it was just the sort of way to manage with it and yeah you know but then also you pissed on that like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's <laughs> the thing to do like every, if you did if you didn't do that then people would be like oh it's yeah. Been yeah and that's the thing with it it's sort of like this is why it's a very fine line, you know, having a, having a pint with a mate and talking about something is a really valuable thing. And, I, you know, we'll talk about sort of alcohol being a really bad thing. It can be a real loosener for people to talk, talk about this stuff. And as long as you're doing like that, but, you know, someone made a point the other day, you know, if you really want to get through to someone, try having a, having a conversation with them without a drink in your hand, you know, go out and do something like go for a walk or do something that doesn't involve a drink and you know see how more productive the conversation is and i, I think you know that's a, a a sound bit of advice i think because you know it's you know it's coming from a good place it's not just something you'll forget the next day and you know forget you said it and forget you heard it so it's actually how um this podcast got it's uh the origin of the idea came yeah. from a, a very drunken night out so <laughs> Um, I'm sure it did. All the best ideas do. I mean, let's not let's not shy away from it. It's sort of you know, but it's something. Yeah, like we and then following up yeah. maybe a couple of times before we finally got the, yeah. the impetus to do it. But um, no, it's not an ideal. It's not an ideal way to actually have a meaningful yeah. conversation like we're doing now. You know, to have to get onto the the real stuff, but as a kind of mm. uh, you know, open the door kind of um, yeah. attempt. It, it did help in that sense, but. In the future maybe it won't be used as much as you're saying now it's not the way it used to be where every kind of discussion or deal yeah, was done yeah, around alcohol yeah, as much totally can i jump back mark to um you're talking yeah. about uh, cbt a bit earlier we've had uh, we had a guest on before patricia who spoke a lot about mm. um that process and i found it just really interesting the way that she kind of explained it and mm. broke it down and kind of took away any kind of yeah. you know taboo that might be there potentially for people for pe- anyone who's maybe thinking about you know getting into that and thinking I'm not quite in the, in my worst place but it's something that I can actually you know maybe build upon what would well, you say how did you realize it was the time to get into it and how did you find it so I, I did everything the wrong way I realized that I was I had changed in myself and I was I couldn't I, I was getting visibly anxious rather than just internally anxious was doing things that made me like you know kind of and so I, I went to see the doctor and the doctor immediately prescribed medication to me and, and she suggested I go and talk to someone and, and I didn't. And, um, you know, I, I kind of regret that. But it was only about uh, about a year ago, I actually eventually went because I was sort of when we starting up a new business kind of can um, can have its challenges and, uh, you know, certain anxieties can be fired off again. And so I decided to go and see someone a year ago and you know, it was it was a free service on the NHS, and I recommended to go down to, to St Leonard's Hospital in Hackney, and it was really good because knowing what I knew, I think if I'd have done it five years before, I would have probably been a bit sceptical of of what it what it could do, but knowing what I knew, having kind of spoken to people that have been through it, and having obviously been doing this for a couple of years, and, and understanding the, the topic a little bit more. It's it's just a very very um, effective tool to make you be much more self aware of your your mind and your head and you know we talk about you know the reason why we get anxious and the reason why we get this because there's too much going on up here you know we're 
particularly, you know, digital age and all that, you know, we're constantly bombarded with messages and we're on our phones all the time. And, you know, there's so much you think you need to do, you know, you've, and then you've got all these anxieties and worries about money and, you know, you've got to be this person and do that and your head's full of stuff. And what it, what it teaches you to do effectively is to unpack your head and compartmentalize all those things that are making you, you know, worried and deal with them individually. And it's very simple really, but when you have someone who's trained telling you how to do it and telling you the things you need to do to, to, to overcome certain things and, you know, about prioritizing and um, it's very obvious. And sometimes you just need someone to tell you the obvious to go and get it done. It's not, it's not a daunting thing. It's nothing to be, uh, you know, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's something to go in and actually come out and feel this, these are tools that will help me through the rest of my life, not just, you know, I, I shared my problems with someone. It's not about that. You don't go in there and necessarily tell them all your worries and problems. They give you the tools to be able to fix it yourself, which is, you know, back to the old, you know, um, man with a rod and give him a fish and give him a rod and he'll <laughs> fish the rest of his life. Uh, it's a terrible analogy, <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that's... Um, get a fish the rest of his life. That's, that's the thing. You need the tools to, to do it with yourself rather than, you know, having to rely on someone else all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, I did. So I did CBT for like twenty weeks and counselling for like ten. Yeah. And the same thing, like what they don't tell you, it's not, it's not rocket science, but I think it's just the fact that it's coming from like a reputable source. But I think the more so for me, it was my naivety. Yeah. Like I didn't, I kind of knew why, but I didn't want to like admit it. Yeah. I didn't want to know, admit why I was feeling like that. But then they just, they just, yeah, they just put all, they dot all the ice in there. They just put everything together. Yeah. They are really good at what yeah. they do. But no, yeah, that's really good. So I'll flip a coin. Loser's got to do a song, a story, or a joke. And you mean sing a song? Hey, it's up to you, mate. I'm never, I'm never gonna push the push it. Are you researching a song now, Mark? In the back, I see your your eyeline's gone up. I've got one prepared, which is actually um, it's probably the, the the song that's played most commonly in my home. So I was gonna uh, I was gonna do that if it has to be me, but hopefully it's not gonna be me. And don't stitch me up either, because uh, I'm not gonna stitch you up. But you you call it. I'll, I'll... I'll put it to camera. It's okay. It's actually tales. I'm not even joking. I'm not right. joking. Look. Is this going on the podcast? Of course. It? This is the ending. Oh, God. Think about the number of Book of Man subscribers after this. It's the only reason people listen to the show. <laughs> right, I'm going to apologise in advance for this because it's going to be fun and joyful. But uh, no need. This is the song which is uh, played a lot in my house and uh, it's one of my firm favourites. So um, here we go. <clears throat> Snow glows white on the mountain tonight, not a footprint to be seen. A kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm the queen. The wind is howling like this swirling storm inside. Couldn't keep it in, heaven knows I've tried. Don't let them in, don't let them see. Be the good girl you've always had to be. Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know. Well, now they know. Let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. Cold never bothered me anyway. That's what we get in. <laughs>
fantastic. No, that's fantastic. that's great. You're, you're wasted in media, Mark. I don't know what you're doing. Get you to the best, best, best song we've had, I say. No, I don't hate it all, but no, just yeah, thanks, thanks a lot, Mark. I'd, I'd highly recommend everyone listening to subscribe to the Book of Man. They do is it weekly newsletters, daily newsletters? Uh, daily newsletters, we've got um podcasts, um, we are always online, and hopefully, we'll be having some virtual events in the new year. So, look out, nice one. Thanks, nice one. thanks for having me on. Cheers, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Hope you've had a good weekend putting up all your Christmas decorations with the help of Mariah Carey. Please like and share us on Twitter and Instagram at Old Chats Pod.